This is the final word. Good evening, I'm Albie Oxenrunner, and welcome to The Final Word. This is the show that invites you into the conversation. You can get your opinion on TV every Sunday night right here on Channel 11. And why wouldn't you want to get your voice heard with these gentlemen behind me? Please welcome, starting with... Our buddy from DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Dan Kabachevich. Hi, Dan. Hi, Albie. I'm here to clear the air up once and for all. Yes, it's good that the Pirates are winning. Why wouldn't it be good that the Pirates are winning? They are winning. All right, also from DK Sports, Chris Carter's back. Hi, Chris. Guys, I guarantee you one thing. I have definitely picked who the Steelers are going to draft between the 22,344 mock drafts that I've already done. Stop the press. <laughs> they still have a press? All right. From the Trib, Steelers radio host Tim Benz. Hi, Tim. Albie, I'm fresh back from a week on the Hawaiian Islands. And as you know out there, aloha means hello and goodbye which is exactly what we said to the Super League over the course of last week as well. All right. Thanks. Great to have everybody here. And some of the topics we're talking about tonight. We're looking for five words on today's Penguins game with, uh, with uh, Boston. All right. Commit to one position and or player for the draft in the first round this week. Who was the Steelers' best first round draft pick of all time? Anybody. Any year. Pirates at 500. What about their game, and what does it uh, does it impress you? Will they sustain this? How long? Just uh, some words on the way they're playing. But first, the big topic for tonight: What are your ex expectations for the Penguins in the playoffs? Uh, they seem to be soaring right now, and the playoffs aren't so far away, Dan. Well, my expectations rise with every performance, and certainly a performance like today, Albie. It's not just that they defended well, which they did. Boston had two. Count them, one, two high danger scoring chances all afternoon. Yeah, Tristan Jari gets the shutout, but the guys in front of him really did the work. That's part of it. But when you see how together they're playing, Albie, I counted 13 touches in 21 seconds by the Penguins, leading to Jake Gensel's goal. That's amazing stuff. That's a team that's hell-bent on puck support. They're getting it done. They're getting it done all over the rink. And if they do that, they can beat anybody in the East. All right, Chris, you're up next. Furthering Dayon's point, I want you to do, do the watcher to go and look up a shot chart of this past game, and it'll look like there's a force field around the goalie, <laughs> goalie mark that's because right. there were no shots around him, and that's part of the game. And it's not just Dumoulin on the defensive end. It's Brian Russ pushing it, keeping it on the other side. That's the thing that the Penguins are doing. They're playing like a team, and, hey, when you're playing like a team at this point in April, it's a pretty good chance you're going to be playing like that in the playoffs. All right, Tim Benz. Albie, I think we should heap praise the feet of Mike Sullivan and all the players who have remained healthy during yes. this injury addled yes. season for the Pittsburgh Penguins but I'm not raising my expectations for the Pens in the postseason I don't want to have expectations for the Pens in the postseason because this regular season has played out very much like I expected the regular season to play out in the East which is to say four very jam-packed teams and I don't know what to expect from these Penguins when Malkin and Tanev come back specifically Malkin, to see if they keep playing the same way that they've been playing while Malkin is out. I don't know what to expect in the playoffs. I'm not going to pretend that I know what to expect in the playoffs after I've seen quite a few very good regular seasons over the last three from the Penguins not end up as well as I, have, as I would have liked in the postseason. All right. A reminder, keep the comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word and on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on today's 
Penguins game with Boston. From Twitter, a great team when healthy. Rick on Facebook says, the Pens played playoff hockey. And back to Twitter, Cup 6 is within sight. <laughs> Now, Day and Chris and Tim, five words on the game with Boston. Day and your first. Uh, this is how it's done. This is how this team needs to win. And what's been the most heartening for me of late, even though I'm not in favor of Mike Sullivan's penchant for matching up Sidney Crosby against Patrice Bergeron, I hate it. I hated it today, even though it worked, just to be consistent about this. But if they understand, including their star players, Tim referenced Evgeny Malkin, if their star players understand that they're not going to win a Stanley Cup by just going for broke, by being old school penguins, then they have a chance. Then they're going to be a little different than what we've seen in the last couple of years. But they've got to stay on that course. It's 200 feet of ice. All right, Chris, five words. Gritty win by any means. Earlier this week, we saw the Penguins score get such a big lead that even when they had a collapse in the third period, it didn't matter. This time, they just played defense all throughout the game, and they were able to keep the puck out, puck out of their end. That's the thing. This team's finding different ways to win, and when you're doing that, when you're winning with offense and defense and all these different ways, it's much more difficult to beat you. There's not one blueprint that we say, hey, we do this one thing, and they're out. Not these Penguins. Tim, five words. Pens won playing Boston's game, and they should be applauded for that. I think it was important that they won in the manner that they won against Boston today. They were systematic. They were defensively oriented. They got good goaltending when they needed it. They back-checked. They played the length of the ice. They were disciplined. Uh, this was a game, I believe, what, there weren't any penalties until the third period? That's Is that right. right? Yep. So that was the kind of game that you need to play against Boston to beat Boston. You need to be able to at least show that you can beat them at their game and be sound in the manner that they were. I took a lot of stock from that today for the Penguins. All right, great stuff. Still to come, commit to one. What position player and or player will the Steelers target in the first round this week? Sean on Facebook says, O-line or running back? Nothing else. The final word. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Albie Oxenrunner tonight with Dan Kovacevic, Chris Carter, and Tim Benz. This is a show where we care what you think. Right, Chris? <laughs> Absolutely, Albie. All right. All right, Tim. Commit to one. What position and or player will the Steelers target in the first round this week? Well, I'll commit to a player. I'll commit to Najee Harris if he's there at running back. And if not, then Travis ATM. But I will not commit to a position because they have plenty of positions that they need to fill. And if those two guys are not on the board, I'd rather see them wait on a running back and take an offensive tackle, cornerback, or inside linebacker, especially since there appears to be lots of depth, depth excuse me, at offensive tackle or inside linebacker. All right. To Twitter we go. All signs point to running back. Joey. Day and you're next. Well, they do. And I think that's because the Steelers have set this particular stage. You know, one thing you never like to do going into any draft in any sport is to put yourself into a spot where you have to take a certain position. I am not in favor of the Steelers waiting to the second round. And at the same time, I get it. Look, the Jets or the Dolphins or somebody else can take Najee Harris. And if the Steelers don't like Travis Etienne, uh, if they don't like Javante Williams, oh, no. I mean, it, it's, 
it's a scary situation for them. Uh, Mike Tallman and Kevin Colbert are, are, are meeting with us tomorrow, and I'm dying to hear them say best available athlete, best available athlete. I, I'm not going to believe it. I think they have to go for a running back, and they're going to pray that it's Najee Harris falling to them. Chris? Yeah, Najee Harris is all the signs. Listen, he said weeks ago on the Adam Schefter podcast, hey, uh, when he was asked, who's your favorite team that you talk to? It's Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. And Adam Schefter, Stephen A. Smith say, you look really good at the Steelers. Everyone's trying to push this narrative. But listen, every year this happens where there's certain guys that are said to go to certain teams and then things happen. If Travis Etienne's there at 24, you could try to trade back. But if you trade back, you got to be able to get him or Javante Williams. You go after that. It's another year of guessing with a James Conner, Anthony McFarland type of running back that maybe he'll be great, but maybe he won't be. Those three guys, they solve your running, play, your running game right now and get you back in the game. But yes, I agree with Tim. Offensive tackle, center, inside linebacker, cornerback, all those things are concerns that could, if, that could be addressed if the right guy falls to you oh, at 24. No, thanks, man. Second day, <laughs> third day. It's got to be hey, a running I, back. It's, it's a deep class in a lot of those positions, so I would not disagree with you. All right. Continuing with the Steelers draft theme, back to Chris. Who was the Steelers' best first-round draft pick of all time? A lot to pick from. We have Green, Bradshaw, Harris, Swan, Woodson. Take it away. I mean, it's me, Joe Green. I mean, he started the steel curtain. And, and like, look, some people say Franco Harris because even me, Joe says we didn't win until we got Franco. You know, some people say Terry because he was he was the quarterback. But the guy who started and was the center of the steel curtain defense and gave them their identity. It was Mean Joe, and he started it all. And listen, I wouldn't be mad at you if you said, if you said Franco or Terry, or even like someone like Troy or someone like that. But Mean Joe was the guy that, that Chuck Knoll said, I'm going to start with him. And they butted heads at times. There was times Mean Joe chucked a football into the stands, and he wasn't about this life. But eventually, he was a huge part of what turned the, the, the franchise around and got them to being a four-time Super Bowl champion in six years. Mean Joe all day. All right. Uh, the real Sean on Twitter is agreeing with you. Easy Mean Joe Green. All right. Tim, what do you think? I'll go with Mean Joe Green as well. But since Chris went there already, I'll go with either one of the two quarterbacks. In fact, it's probably Ben Roethlisberger because I don't think they win a Super Bowl in this era unless they have Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. They might have Good snuck point. one out back the way football used to be played with somebody besides Terry Bradshaw eventually with that defense and those running backs, maybe. So I'll go with Ben number two. By the way, the guys taken in front of Mean Joe Green, who was number four overall that year, Leroy Keyes, George Coons, and the guy who played Nordberg in the Naked Gun movies. For real? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Nordberg. You know, Mean Joe was taken fourth overall, and I'm going to take this question in the most literal way possible because I think the way we're answering it here is who was the best player. I'm going to look at it from the standpoint of who was the best draft pick, and when you talk about draft picks, you're looking at where they're taken in the first round. Okay. T.J. Watt was 30th overall, people. And this is one of the best defensive players of his generation. I'm, I'm willing to give all the accolades and say that, you know, T.J.'s not this or that in terms of Steelers history compared to these other people. But none of these other guys can say that they were 30th overall in that first round. T.J. might as well have been a second-round pick. Amazing first-round pick. All right. We also had a vote for Troy Palomalu on Twitter. All right. Uh, it's still only April, but the Pirates are starting to get the attention of some fans. Day and 22 games in, 11 and 11, Pirates at 500. What about their game 
makes you think they will or won't sustain the way they're playing. Well, plain and simple, Albie, it's the same thing that I mentioned when I was on this show in February coming back from Bradenton. I said that the bullpen was going to make them respectable. And when I said that, oh, boy, was there laughter all over the set and everything. But when you have relievers... Yeah. When you have guys, that, many guys, as the Pirates have with live arms, with real talent, who can cover as many innings as they have, mm -hmm. you're going to be competitive. The offense still is it, kind of sitting in the middle of the pack in the majors. The starting rotation has been a little bit better on this trip, but is still worrisome. The bullpen has been number one in the majors through these 15 games that we're talking about here. That's the main thing here, and it's not just Richard Rodriguez. It's David Bednar. It's Chris Stratton. Uh, it's it's everybody. Clay Holmes, right down the line. Remember, high expectations are a team's worst enemy. Low expectations are a team's best friend. All right. From Twitter, they won't sustain it because the starting pitching won't hold up over the long haul. All right, on to Chris. Look, if I was a betting guy, I'd agree. I'd be like, yeah, okay, if I was to put money on them, either sustaining the 500 record going on, sure, I'd go for that. But the bottom line is, I didn't think they'd be here. Like, I'm one of the people that when Dayon said that, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And I'm wrong because these guys have come out and they've competed and without Cabrian Hayes. And that was the guy who I was saying, like, hey. Big point there. Yeah, Big I mean, point. They're doing this. And some Dan, that we were talking about this yep. offset. They won all three games in a, or all three series in a road trip for the first time since 2015. That's, that's really good. And, yes, it's April. This could all collapse by May, and we're talking about doom and gloom. But we're in the now, and that's what we're talking about. And they deserve credit for that. Will they fall apart later? I would bet, I'd bet that they'd still finish last in, in, in the NL Central. But that's not what they're doing now, and they deserve credit for it. And Hayes is their best player. Yeah. Yeah, they do deserve credit. Tim. Why will they sustain it? Because the offense, uh, guys like Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds, uh, Gregory Polanco today, Hayes when he comes back, Moran, why will they? Because the offense will hit their way into staying close to 500. Why won't they? Because the starting pitching in the bullpen will take a step back. But the biggest reason why they won't is because of some of the subtext to a lot of the dialogue that we're praising them for going 11-11 so far. It's now... Hey, what are they going to get for Richard Rodriguez when they trade him? Yeah. Hey, what, what are they going to get for Adam Frazier? Like, look at how great he's hitting. They're going to get more for him now. How about Colin Moran? I mean, if so much a part of the dialogue is when they get to the trade deadline, they're going to get more in return for these guys when they trade them, or if they're good enough that the other teams might want them earlier, then that's going to hurt the win total once you get into, yep. I don't know, late June, mid-July, something like that. All right, but it's still fun to talk about it on April 25th. Whatever it is. Well, one of these things. <laughs> Whatever it is. I should know the date. All right, when we come back, around the horn on any topic, the final word is next. Welcome back. It's time for the final word. Everybody gets a chance, and Mr. Tim Benz, you're first. Mike Tomlin got a contract extension for three years from the Steelers this past week, and it brought about the usual discourse between people who say, well, he hasn't won a playoff game in eight of the last ten years versus those who say, look at his career resume, he's never had a season below 500. We can butt heads over that forever. Here's one line of discussion we have to drop, though. We have to get away from, well, who else are they going to get? Gee, I don't know, the next Mike Tomlin, the next Bill Cower, the next Chuck Knoll. When I hear, well, who's on your short list? I don't know, 
Tomlin wasn't on the short list. This franchise has done this better than anybody else for the last half century. They've had three coaches since 1969, okay? If they want to move on from Mike Tomlin, I have the belief that they'll be able to find the next Mike Tomlin. All right. We would tell you to calm down, but we don't want you to calm down. <laughs> Day and you're next. Those were great points. Uh, the Pirates are winning, and that's actually a good thing. I know that some people don't like it because it flies in the face of a whole lot of narrative, not to mention spring expectations, but it's an actual good thing. No, they were not tanking to get a draft pick. No one does that in baseball. There's a reason baseball doesn't have a draft lottery. This isn't football. No, they can't trade draft picks in baseball. Again, it's not football. Baseball is baseball. The Pirates were never tanking. If they win, it's a positive. All right. Uh, final word, Mr. Chris Carter. Listen, I know a lot of people are against drafting a running back because of all the fears. Like, oh, it'll last five years. But look, drafting that player could be the bridge to the future. One thing that I came across in my B.J. Finney research was that his 13 games, 11 of which the Steelers won when he started, the Steelers averaged 125 yards of the ground. But it averaged 176 when Le'Veon Bell ran the ball, less than 100 with, without him. Getting that number one running back could be the bridge to the next quarterback and help Ben Roethlisberger now. All right, thanks, guys. And finally, the most important news of the night. Woo! I'm a grandfather. Congratulations, oh, where's cigars? Where's I know the what cigars? You're I'm not old enough to be a grandfather, but trust <laughs> me, I am. All right, Maeve Augusta Oxenrider, beautiful beyond belief. And my wife and I, and our son, and our daughter-in-law, and our other children, and our whole family are also excited beyond belief. Keep it down. The baby's trying to sleep. <laughs> Thanks for all the words of congratulations. I'm Albie Oxenrider for the whole team. Good night.